Hey, I want to welcome you and I want to welcome those of you who are online watching and listening. You know, sometimes we say that we only, we broadcast a second service every week and um, sometimes we wonder like, oh, you know, is this really, uh, you know, we've, we're doing this internet thing. Is it really making that much of a difference? But it was, it's so funny. Week after week, we keep on hearing about people who found us online. You know, like they're, they're somehow they, you know, God brought them to North Point online and just this morning during first service, just maybe give you guys a word of encouragement. I met a couple um, and uh, met them first service. I forgot their names, but um, I met a couple first service. And they're like, hey, we drove all the way from like, where? Clyde. Clyde, thank you. They drove all the way from Clyde, like an hour away. I'm like, what in the world? I, you know, Clyde, they're like, yeah, we've been watching online for a year now. And today was their first day. So they drove an hour, right? So, you know, I'm like, wow, that's, that's, you know, and some of us complain about driving, you know, from Waterville, and, you know, they drove from Clyde, and it's just like crazy. So stop complaining when you drive from Waterville, <laughs> or when you're driving a couple streets over. So, um, and, and uh, so anyway, so we're so thankful for our online community, and it is making a difference, so, so thank you for that. Well, this morning... As uh, Randy mentioned, we are starting this series on Psalms, and this is going to be an 18-week-long series. And um, I have never taught on the Psalms before. I'll just be honest with you. Listen, now, you, some of you are going to be like, wow, you're our pastor, and, and you're going to tell us this. But I, I, I don't know about you, but I struggle reading the Psalms. You know, and, and I read, you know, I, I read the Bible, obviously God's Word. I believe it's God's Word to us. And, you know, I just, I, um. Psalms was written over, over, over a thousand-year period, and it's a collection, you know, of poems. A lot, there's a lot of poetry in Psalms, and I hate poetry. I'm just not going to lie. I just think it's, I don't know, uh, I just don't like it. It just doesn't make, I'm like, just, just say what you want to say. Why do you have to put all this other stuff around it, you know? Like, seriously. So I don't like poetry, so I struggle with Psalms at times. Um, there's a lot of poetry. Like, they repeat things over and over. I'm like, you already said that. Um, some of you guys probably feel like that about the message. You're like, you already said that. Why do you keep on saying that? So I get it. So just remind me. Um, so I struggle with it because of that. I struggle because um, a lot of the Psalms, you know, there's about eight different authors, you know, seven different people, and then some people groups. Uh, King David wrote what we think is about 73 of the Psalms. There's 150. King David, who was the second king of Israel, wrote... Uh, probably 73 of them. Some of them he probably wrote before he was the king when he was actually just a shepherd. When he was just a shepherd. And um, there are other people who wrote him. There's a guy named Asaph. Um, some people pronounce it differently. But he was King David's worship leader. And he wrote uh, like 11 or 12 of the Psalms. It would be like, you know, Gabe writing, you know, some of the Psalms. You know, his worship leader wrote a lot of the Psalms. Several of them. Uh, there were some priests, these guys named sons of Korah. Korah was not a good guy. Matter of fact, the Bible says that the earth swallowed up and he got swallowed into the earth, you know, because he was a, not a good guy. But his sons, apparently, were priests and they wrote some of the Psalms. Moses, believe it or not, wrote a Psalm. King David's son Solomon. So all these different people are right. And there was, a, there was 50 of them that are anonymous. We have no idea who wrote these psalms. Over a thousand years took to write them, to collect them. So they were a collection of, you know, um, songs. They were a collection of prayers. Um, a lot of the psalms 
our complaints. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie. I just, I struggle with complainers. And there's a lot of complaining in the Psalms. Um, lamenting. There are some Psalms that are, even like this morning, we're gonna, they're called imprecatory Psalms. Like somebody's praying, cursing upon other people. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I don't like this, you know, I don't like these. So I, I struggle at times with them. Some of the songs, you know, again, they're songs. And, you know, it's just like, I don't know, somebody was talking, we were talking earlier, somebody just today, and we we're talking about, you know, songs that we sing and, you know, and, and, and the Psalms were songs, they were kind of like the prayer book, some theologians would say. Others would say they were more like a hymnal that the Jewish people would, would sing. And uh, sometimes they would sing these songs, these psalms of praise, as they, they were event-specific, like they were re related to something historical that happened. Matter of fact, we don't know for sure, but the psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm chapter 5, uh, I think was probably related to a historical event. It doesn't tell us specifically, but I, I think we have a pretty good idea. Sometimes, though, people would sing these songs, these psalms of praise, as they would do certain things. Like sometimes, you know, Jerusalem uh, is up on a hill, and it's higher in elevation than a lot of other parts of Israel, particularly where it's at. And so people would ascend. They would go up to Jerusalem. And so to prepare their heart, just like you guys, part of what we do is we come in and we worship every week. We sing, our hand, we sing songs. We lift up our hands. We shout. We clap, you know. And we're worshiping God. And, and we're also preparing our heart. We're, we're reminding ourselves of truth. And we're preparing our heart to receive from God. And sometimes in the Psalms, that's what would happen. People would be, they would be going to Jerusalem to worship. And so as they went up the hill, up the mountain, they are called Psalms of Ascent. So, you know, I, I struggle. And we've got 18 weeks of this. And I'm like, oh, man, Lord, stretching me. <laughs> yeah, I think he's going to stretch us as a congregation. You know, um, as he te teaches us and takes us through Psalms. So this morning we're going to talk about how we respond in particular to when people attack us. Like what do you do when people attack you? Primarily this psalm this morning is about when people use their words. David calls them bloodthirsty. People who, want, who are bloodthirsty, who want to destroy your life. And who are there to undermine you and attack you. And David was, aren't we, aren't we glad for babies in this church, right? So don't be, you know, we're always glad for babies. So, so David is feeling attacked by the words of people around him. He calls them bloodthirsty. He calls them evildoers. People that God hate. Now that's kind of harsh. Like, well, I thought God is God of love. He is. You know, First John talks about that. You know, that our that the God we serve is a God of love. But the Bible, both Old and New Testament, talks about God's hatred. Now, I don't know about you. If I hate something, then if I hate another person, then I want the worst for them. I want them to suffer. That's not what God's, God's hatred is. There's no, 
There is no sin involved in God's hatred. But the Bible's clear, Old and New Testament, that there are those that are not his followers that God hates. And we need to hear that. God not only hates sin, but God hates those who are not his followers. Because they don't belong to him. They, you know, they belong. They're, Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats. And quite frankly, that's hard stuff for my ears to hear. Probably for some of you, like, what? Yeah. That's what the Bible says. Because people have rejected God. They've chosen to turn away from him. And I don't like reading that in the Psalms. Like today, Psalm chapter 5, verse 5. I'm like, oh, I don't like that. But even Jesus talks about that in John chapter 3, and we'll read about that in a second. So I struggle with that. But this psalm is about King David, about people who attack him with their words. And what do you do when, when someone attacks you with your words, with their words? I don't know about you, but my first response is, I want to attack them back. I think I've shared this story with you before, and some of you guys are going to think, man, you're such a baby. But, you know, um, this past November, right, I shared with you guys, like, I didn't vote because I didn't feel like as a Christ follower, as a leader of our church and our community, I wasn't going to be a stumbling block to other people. And sure, as an American, I think there's a civic responsibility, but as a Christ follower, I have a higher responsibility. And so I felt led not to do that. And uh, I don't answer to any to you guys. I mean, I want to be an example, but I have to do what I feel like Christ is calling me to do, what God is calling me to do. And that was a very serious thing for me. And this past November, I think I've shared the story with you, this, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends, as a matter of fact, called me on the phone because he doesn't live in town. He said, you're not voting? I said, no, I don't feel like I'm, I, I don't, I don't want to be a stumbling block. And I don't feel like it's appropriate for me to vote. And he said, well, I've lost respect for you, and I'm disappointed in you. And I was, you know what my first response was? My first response was, well, huh, now I know why your kids hate you. <laughs> now, I didn't say that, <laughs> obviously. And hopefully you don't, you're not watching, friend. <laughs> But that's what I wanted to say. I was so, and I didn't think of it that quick right away. It took me a couple days, but that's what I thought. But I was so hurt by this. You know, voting is non-essential as far as my salvation and getting to heaven. It has nothing to do with following Jesus Christ. And so I don't, I, and here I was being condemned. And I just felt so, someone I had trusted for so long who would attack me like that. You know, so six months or however it's been since, you know, since this past, you know, and I had, and I, str I talked to friends about other mature Christ followers, you know, a guy who's a pastor in their area again. I'm like, hey, what do I, I went to talk to a therapist, like, hey, what do I do with this? Because I'm thinking about it all the time. And I'm just, I don't know what, and I didn't, I didn't call the person. We would talk every other week, even though they live in another state. We'd talk every other week. And I didn't do any of that because I was, I knew if I had, and so this past week he was in town. And he said, hey, is everything okay? I'm like, what do you think, you know? Again, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking that, you know. <laughs> Thankfully, and I had determined when they first came, I wasn't going to say a word to this person about this. I'm like, Lord, if you want me to deal with this, 
give me grace, and, the, and they will approach me. And sure enough, he said, hey, I just want to talk to you about that. And I want to I sincerely apologize for being so harsh to you. Now, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, I can release that. I said, I forgive you. You know, I don't know if our relationship will ever be the same, quite frankly. You know, I don't know. But I was able to release that. But that wasn't, you know, how do you respond when people do that? And, I'm, and you guys are like, that's nothing. Let me tell you my story about what happened to me. Right? I mean, this is, this is nothing compared to, right? And I'm sure I have lots of other stories, but I don't remember them. I have a terrible memory, thank the Lord. So, so this psalm is like, oh, what do you do? How do you pray? Because that's what it's really about. It's about prayer. It's about when people attack us with words, our response has to be to pray, to go to the Lord. But there's, King David talks about how to pray specifically. And I'm going to give you seven things about how do you respond when someone attacks you verbally. Because this whole psalm is about that. I want to kind of give you a little bit more. I don't know this for sure, but this is not going to be on the screen. But I want to read to you real quickly here. Second um, uh, Samuel chapter 15 tells us a little bit of a story about David when he was a king. And how he had a son named Absalom. And, and this is what he did, what his son did to him. It says, um, Absalom brought a chariot and horses. This is 2 Samuel 15 verse 1. It says, Absalom brought a chariot and horses and he hired 50 footmen to run ahead of him. He got up early in the morning and he went out to the gate of the city when people brought a case to the king for judgment. Absalom would ask them, where are you from? And they would tell him they're from which tribe. And then Absalom would say, you really got a strong case here. It's too bad the king doesn't have someone to hear it. King David doesn't really care about you or else he would be here. Or he'd have someone here to listen to you. I wish I were the judge. Then people could bring their problems to me. And I would give them justice because David won't. And when the people tried to bow before him, Absalom wouldn't let them. Instead, he took them by the hand and he embraced them. So in this way, Absalom stole the hearts of all the people of Israel. King David's son tells us that he would speak against him. and He stole the hearts of people against their king. I think David was writing this psalm in response to what Absalom was, the betrayal of his own son and the things that he said about him to other people. If you want to look at Psalm uh, chapter 5, verse 1, David responds, he responds and, and we're, we're told that this is a morning prayer. So if you can pull that up, Matthew. Psalm chapter 5, verse 1. Tells us the following. He says, to the choir master. This was something that was supposed to be sung. Flutes would be playing behind it, right? It says, a psalm of David. David says, God, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groanings. God, people are talking about me. Would you listen to me, God? God, I need you to hear me. God, the pain is so deep in my life. There are times that I use my words and there are other times, God, the pain is so deep that all I can do is groan. Have you ever been there? When you have the emotional 
or the physical pain, and you couldn't even express it with your words, that we can go to God. God knows our prayers. He knows our thoughts. Even at times when we can't say the right thing, it hurts too much. We can just groan. And God considers our groanings. David knew that he could go directly to God. He didn't have to go to a pastor or to a priest. But he knew that we could go directly to God. I love what Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 say about God's presence, the Holy Spirit, in our lives right now. It says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We can depend upon, rely upon him. For example, when we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father knows all the heart. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. David knew he could go directly to the Lord. At times he used his words. At times the pain was so deep that he would just groan and leave it at that. God, give ear. Listen to my cries. God, I need your help. So often, when I'm in, when I feel attacked, that's not my response is to go to God. I want to attack somebody else back. I wanted to say to that friend, oh yeah, now I know, dot, 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 dot. David goes on. He says, God, I'm under attack. Would you give attention to the sound of my cry? My king and my God, for to you do I pray. David was honest. He was vulnerable. He's crying out to God. You notice there in verse 2. He says, God, I'm crying out to you. I'm bearing my heart to you, God. I'm not hiding or holding anything back from you right now, God. Would you listen to my cry? This lament expression of grief. God, I know you're, you're my king. Even though David may have been king at this time, he recognizes that, that he serves a personal God. That it's his God and his king. He says, my God and my king. There's this humility about his prayer. He says, for, you, for to you do I pray. I don't look to anybody else, God. Oh Lord, in the morning... Hear my voice. Now, a lot of people who preach on this passage, they'll just be stuck on that one verse. They'll talk about, you know, you know, prayers, always pray in the morning. And, you know, and that's good. And some of us are not morning people. And so, you know, morning for you starts at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock a.m. And that's fine, you know, whatever. But David talks about this morning by morning. There's this consistency. There's this rhythm of when he's hurting and struggling and he's going to God in prayer and saying, God, would you listen to my voice? As I come to you in the morning, there's this consistency. He says, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you. And watch. I think that's such an interesting phrase. I prepare a sacrifice. It's, it's the images of this. You know, when they, in the Old Testament, when they would uh, make a sacrifice, they didn't just take a whole bunch of wood and just throw it on a pile. And they didn't just take this animal, this lamb, and just throw it on a pile. No, they were purposeful. And they arranged things purposely. And there was meaning behind what they did. And, and, and David's kind of giving us this image. When you go to the Lord in prayer, 
Be purposeful in your prayer time. For some of us, we don't keep a list at all. Like, God, here are the things. You know, have your prayers arranged and be purposeful. Go to him in the morning. Spend that time with him. Keep a prayer list. Because then you'll know, it says, and then I waited and I watched. And David was expectant and he listened. And he was able to tie those things together because he was purposeful in his prayer time. And a lot of us just, we don't approach our prayer time like that. Prayed for something about, you know, three months ago and you've forgotten all about it and you never prayed about it again or whatever and you have no idea when God answers you, when he moves on your behalf and moves in your life. He arranged his prayers. He was prepared and consistent. He was thoughtful. David was expectant when he asked God to, pray, to move on his behalf. Verse 4 it gets a little bit dicey here. He says, God, you're not a God who delights in wickedness. In other words, God, I recognize that you don't think sin is okay. You don't just wink at sin and think, oh, this is no big deal. Just a little bit of sin here and there. He was like, God, I know that sin is serious business. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers, those who use their words to destroy, to tear down, to undermine. God, I know that. You hate all evildoers. You know, there's a, you know, there, we all know that phrase. We've heard it a lot, seen it a lot. Love the sinner, but hate the sin. You know, God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. You know, that's, that's not in the Bible, right? No, that's not scripture. Like, Gandhi's the one who said that back in 1929. Love the sinner, hate the sin. God, that's not scripture. Gandhi said that. God hates sinners because it separates them. It goes against him. He's opposed to that. Now, as a Christ follower... Second Colossians chapter 2 says that Christ took my sins and he nailed them to the cross and I'm forgiven and I stand redeemed and cleansed and forgiven and God walks with me and God is for me and I can live under God's promise and his presence and his protection and his blessing. But in our church today, in the modern church, we have a hard time and we forget that God is opposed to those who don't follow him. You hate all evildoers. God can do that without sinning himself. If I hate something, it's, it's different. He goes on. He says, verse 6, you destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and the deceitful man. Again, I, you know, as, as I was thinking about this, I thought about, you know, because I'm like, well, you know, does this, do we see the same kind of a theme in the New Testament? Because maybe this is just Old Testament. But listen to, to Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. You guys are familiar with this. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Jesus said this, right? For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. We're all like, yes, amen. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. But we kind of stop there frequently. But verse 18, listen to how scripture goes on and Jesus says this. 
verse 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Verse 36. Anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life, but remains under, but remains under God's angry judgment. Wow. That's not just Old Testament. The wrath, the anger, God's hatred for sin. For sinners, I don't know how. God loves everyone. God wants none of us to perish. But there's this wrath and there's this anger. This hatred for sinners. Those who are not following Christ. David acknowledges that. He sees that. Thankfully, we're walking under forgiveness. Our sins have been nailed to the cross. We've chosen to follow Jesus Christ. David goes on. Again, he says, you destroy those who speak lies, the, the Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, though, through the abundance of your steadfast love, God's through your grace, God's through your love, your goodness, it's not my own. Through your love, God, I will enter your house. It's nothing that I can do. I know that I recognize that, David says. I will bow down towards you. There's this honor, there's this reverence, there's this respect that David has. I will bow down towards your holy temple in the fear of you. Lord, lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness. God, I know that my ways are not right. So lead me in your ways, God. There's this constant reliance that David has upon upon him. Lead me in your ways, O Lord, because of my enemies. His enemies drove him. To God, make your way straight before me. In other words, God, show me your way because these people want to lead me down this different path. But God, show me your way. And when you reveal your way to me, God, I'm going to follow your way. There's this maturity that happens in David's life because of his enemies. For there is no truth in their mouth, right? It's about their words. Their innermost self is destruction. Their throat is is an open grave. It's spewing death and lies and decay. They flatter with their tongue. The text drove David to prayer. Make them bear their guilt, O God. And this is this practice. It's like, I don't, you know, again, David's like, no, God, deal with them. I'm not the judge. I'm not the one who can deal with them. God, there are people in my life that I need you to deal with. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsel. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, God, cast them out. But let all who take refuge in you, God, rejoice. Let them, the people who find their protection in you, let them sing for joy. And spread your protection over them, that, over them, that those who love your name may even exalt you. And he finishes with this promise. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with your favor as with a shield. There's seven things I've given you. I've kind of already gone through them, but just so you can have them for those of you who like the fill-ins. There's seven things, seven parts to prayer when people are attacking you that David reminds us of. The first one, right? We talked about this. David said, hey, I, got, I'm, I can go directly to you. I don't have to go to anybody else. It's good to have other brothers and sisters pray for me. But God, I know 
that Jesus has made a way and I can go directly to you, God. So when I feel under attack, that's what I'm going to do. Secondly, right, it says that he cried out to God at times with words, other times with groanings. But he cried out to God. He was vulnerable. He was honest before God. God, this stinks so much. There's a sense of humility. God, I don't know the answers. God, I'm not in charge. I surrender to you. I might be the king over all of Israel, but God, I know that you are my king, that you are my Lord, that you are in charge of my life. It was personal too. It wasn't just humble, but he was personal. He said, my God and my king. The fourth part that I see in this prayer is that David was consistent, right? He would say morning by morning. Uh, Psalm chapter uh, Chapter 4 was about going to God in prayer in the evening. But David in this prayer is like, hey, every morning, God, I go to you. My life is struggling. I'm hurting. I'm dependent upon you. I'm crying out to you, God. God, you better listen to me. God, I need you to listen to me. Bend your ear, God. Hear my prayer. I'm consistently going to you. Right? He was thoughtful. So that he arranged the sacrifice. Keeping that some of us, we don't keep a prayer list, right? Keeping that prayer list. God, hear the things. They're on my heart. Now, it's okay to, you know, I'm not saying you can't ever shotgun your prayers, but that's not what David was talking about here. He was talking about a thoughtful, ordered, consistent prayer life. He was expectant, right? It says that he watched, he waited, he listened to God. God, I'm looking for the answer to the prayers that I pray. Martin Luther talks about so often we miss God. Not because we're not praying, but because there's not the sense of expectancy and the sense of waiting, listening, looking for God to answer our prayers. And of course, lastly, he was confident. He was confident because of God's unfailing love for him. He was confident. God, I trust you. I trust your promises. I trust your protection. When you're attacked with words, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond? And I know my story is so minor compared to some of your stories this morning. And you think it's just an accident that you're listening or that you're here this morning. But God's sovereign. God's in control. God's challenging and asking you, how will you respond this morning?